For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Time to preview week seven. Welcome, everybody, to Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcasting Network, along with Ryan Leaf. My name is Jonathan Rifkin. Thank you so much for joining us. Ryan, a lot to get to. Five games on the Pac-12 slate. And let's go just get to it. Number 13, Oregon hosts Colorado on Friday night. Now, prior to last week's Cal-Oregon game, I had a bit of, uh, of anxiety that Oregon could lose that one. They didn't. You successfully calmed me down, which not many people can do. Now I look at this game and I have that same anxiety because Colorado is capable of beating Oregon. I don't know if they can do it or if they will do it. Oregon has a 20 and a half point spread, which also scares me because that can be blasphemy. What do you think about this game? Yeah, this one for me, I'm not too worried about either. You know, it's a short week. I get that. Um, But, you know, after seeing Oregon's defense, um, you know, play the way they did. I'm not too afraid of them getting into a shootout with Montez and Colorado, though. Uh, they're very capable of, of keeping the game close because they have a good offense. But I, I think, again, in a short week in preparation, I, I think I think they're they're the team that's that's got the advantage. Um, Colorado, it's a tough loss to come off of. We'll see how they rebound. But I think it's going to be a really good football game. I, I too am with you. I'm like if I if I'm anybody out there, I'm taking I'm taking that Colorado team plus the twenty and a half points because that's just for me that's almost stealing. This the conference is just too competitive. There aren't games like that that are gonna be like that where there's gonna be twenty points in between it. It just it just isn't. Let's talk about the spread here. I want to compare these two. So we'll get to the Notre Dame-USC breakdown in a second. But Notre Dame is only an 11-point favorite at home against USC. Meanwhile, Oregon is a 20.5-point favorite against Colorado. I would think that those would be flipped, or at least should be flipped, because I, I'm not exactly sure what Vegas's idea is here approaching these two spreads specifically. Well, I think one's a rivalry and the other one's not. But, you know, the last time... I believe Colorado was in Oregon. Steven Montez had to come in for an injured Sephal Lufau. And he led them to victory. Uh, and, and, and he led them to victory. So, you know, he knows how to win there. Um, you know, I think Oregon's going to get good tests all year long. And I just think that the USC-Notre Dame game, is just, it's just a, uh, a rivalry. A year ago, USC was a very down football team, only a five-win team. And uh, they gave an undefeated Notre Dame team everything they got. 
um, everything they had there at the end of the season before they went off to the college football playoffs. So, you know, I anticipate uh, it to be a good football game. I, I just don't think they have the ability, especially on the road, with whatever quarterback they decide to go with. Um, I just don't think it's going to be enough. And, you know, ironically, this USC, USC team, sorry, this USC team is going to be three and three, but, you know, hold their, you know, control their own destiny in terms of winning the uh, Pac-12 South, which is uh, unbelievable, which may just be the only reason why they, they can't outright fire Clay Helton or if they want to do it because of that sense. They're still very much in the race when it comes to the Pac-12 South. I know that on your SiriusXM show, and of course you go out and you do the SPNU games, you're not only focusing on the Pac-12. So I think this is a good opportunity for us to see where Notre Dame is at. I mean, they're ninth. They held Georgia. They didn't hold Georgia. They played Georgia well. Um, They gave a lot of points to Virginia a couple weeks ago, but overall they still walked out of there with a 35-20 win. I mean, do you see Notre Dame as as a team worthy of being ranked ninth? And if so, do you think that they're going to really show what they're made of against USC in this game? Yeah, I do. I think, you know, their performance against Georgia was surprising. I never felt like they were uh, they were a threat in that game for me. But then they, they took on a very good Virginia football team at home who's still in the top 25 and, and played them tough and, and found a way to win. So I, I expect it to be a highly contested football game on Saturday. I don't think Clay Helton and that, that group of talented football players from Southern California are just going to show up and roll over. I think they're going to show up and play some football. And it's going to be a competitive football game. And in the end, I think Notre Dame wins probably by, you know, a touchdown or so. Uh, but, uh, you know, 11 points is – that's a lot of points. It just is. That's a lot of points when it comes down to a game that's just going back and forth, one with so much talent invested and involved. And, and Brian Kelly this week talked about how it's the best USC defense he's going to he, – he will have faced in this rivalry since he took over the head coaching job at Notre Dame. Notre Dame-USC kickoff at 4.30 Pacific time on Saturday. NBC, they have the rights to that one. That should be at least an intriguing game. And if for some weird, crazy, and amazing reason that USC can pull that one off, well, at least it gives the Pac-12 some national pride. Um, let's move on to the Washington State-Arizona State game. This is a game that Arizona State for Arizona State to lose. Now it depends on which Anthony Gordon and Washington State Cougars team shows up. What's your take on this game? I don't know how I don't know what kind of take I have on it. I I don't know if you saw this week, but Tracy Clays, their defensive coordinator, up and resigned. Yep. Or whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, pretty much got told you you got to resign or I'm firing you from Mike Leach. And you heard me rail against it last week how Mike Leach takes zero accountability for anything and leaves it at the feet of somebody else. This is this is his way of seeing kind of a sinking ship of a team this year and. In, uh, in putting aside a scapegoat. So if this team does go seven and five or six and six, you know, there's, there's something there that, that he can pin it on. And if you saw the tweeting after the fact, uh, Leach and, and Washington state put out some statements about how it was, uh, you know, they wanted him to stay on, but if, you know, he felt it necessary to leave because of personal reasons. And then you saw Tracy Clay uh, a little while after that statement came out say, Hey, I really appreciate the opportunity from Washington state, but I did not leave because of personal reasons. I left because our philosophies on how we fix this defensively don't match up. Therefore there isn't a 
comfortable resolution and you have asked me to resign pretty much. So there's some chaos going on in Pullman right now, which doesn't bode well for traveling down to the desert where they've, they struggled and play a very good Arizona state football team. I think this could be one that, that Herm Edwards and, and that defense has something ready for Anthony Gordon in that offense. But then what Jane Daniels and that Arizona state offense has been able to do in particular in that game against Cal against a very, very good defense. Washington state's defense could be in for a long night, I guess, I guess afternoon in the desert. Yeah. I mean, Arizona State has no lack of offensive weapons. Like you said, Jaden Daniels, he's actually been, he's been really good. Only five touchdown passes and one interception this season, but his completion percentage is up at 61%. He has almost 1,300 yards passing. He's been pretty good. And of course, Eno Benjamin has been, has been almost lights out, uh, almost at four yards a carry with six touchdowns on the ground. And I think that's where they can beat Washington State is, is with the ground game and dominating that time of possession. Because as long as you can keep the ball out of Anthony Gordon's hands for as much as possible and tire out that Washington State defense, I think Arizona State can really walk out of there uh, at least with the three-point win, probably even by a touchdown. Well, I think you, you, you look what Washington has done the last five years, and you look what Utah did now. I know Utah's defense has some, has some monsters over on that side that are a little different than maybe what Arizona State has. But I think you've seen a pretty good blueprint on how you beat this Washington State defense. You bring three guys. Uh, and, and you try to get pressure on the quarterback with three guys, maybe bring a, a random blitz here or there with that fourth guy, and you, you play eight in the backfield, uh, defensive backfield, and you rally up and you make tackles, and you make them punt, and you make them go on long drives. They're not used to – not with, with Anthony Gordon. They're, they're different than the, what they were a year ago with Gardner Minshew. His ability to go on 15-play drives was like that's what he did. You know, He was okay throwing two-yard passes. Anthony Gordon's more of a risk taker, and that was something I said a few weeks ago that I thought may play into it down the line. Is he is he passing up wide receivers that are open for the bigger play? In the last two weeks, that's kind of bitten him in the tail. We'll see how they respond against the Sun Devils. I mean, this season for Anthony Gordon, though, 22 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 21-46 yards through the air, and a 72% completion percentage. I mean... I know that Arizona State, I mean, not Arizona State, Washington State, that UCLA game we've talked about multiple times we don't need to get into. But, I mean, do you really think that it's solely the, the defense that has been the Achilles heel for this team? Or do you think that even though it, Aaron Gordon has the, has the leash to be able to pull the trigger and really take some of these, what, what, what was the type of pass that you called him? The, the YOLO pass? The YOLO throws? Is I mean, you only live once, passes. Yeah, there you go. So, because he has that long leash where he can take those throws, I mean, do you think that that offensive game plan can suffice if Washington State figures out their defense, or should there be a change of mindset on offense as well? No, I mean, when you're up by 32 points, yeah, there needs to be a change of mindset on offense. Of course, there does. He just isn't willing to do that. And that, I mean, Mike Leach, you know, and clearly it bit him in the tail and they lost. They let a team score 50 points in the second half to lose. And all of a sudden, this momentum going down to Utah was derailed. And then all, and then you start putting blame on, on and the spotlight goes off to Tracy Clays in this defense. That's the problem. They, scored, they, they, they only scored 13 points at Utah. That's the problem defensively? No, this is a team problem. And we're going to see if they got figured out during the bye week. Didn't sound like it, right? Sounded like they fired their their defensive coordinator. Now where the, now where are they at? We're going to find out in a hurry 
Saturday's coming quick, and if you guys aren't ready, you're going to go to the desert and find find you're on the end of another another ass whooping before you know it. What does that do for a defense as a player? I mean, and, and I'm speaking to the right person with this question. What does that do for a player midseason or used to a certain person relaying the plays to you, telling you the schemes and what to expect and what you need to do? How does that change a player's mindset midway through a season when all of a sudden it's somebody else? Well, it depends on what the player is, right? If the player's looking for a different answer, he doesn't feel like he was getting played uh, by the defensive coordinator enough or he didn't like what's going on, maybe he'll be happy with it. But, you know, the guy was there for a year and, what, four games? Yep. A, a year and five games. So it's not like, you know, things went out of, got out of hand in a, in a hurry, right? I mean, it just – it, this all of a sudden decided to happen overnight by the country. I, I just find it uh, surprising, disappointing. Uh, now, from an alumnus, I, you know, I just want them to be uh, on the same page and for them to be competitive, in which I think they will continue to be this year with the road schedule the way it was. I always knew it was going to be difficult, even if they were a better team than they were a year ago. But with losses, uh, uh, with that loss, to UCLA, it puts them be, you know, behind it a little bit because the road games for them are going to be very, very difficult, starting with another one this weekend. Do players get a say in, in any of these decisions? I know that when Oregon fired Willie Taggart. Not in college. No? Not in because college. I know that or, the Oregon... You know, they like, they, they, yeah, they like to tell you that. They like to tell you that uh, when Willie Taggart left. Uh, if Rob Mullins is really taken into consideration, kids that are only going to be there three more years That's or maybe true. two more That's years true. or one more years, then when why are they paying Rod Mullins, right? You know, that that's he's making the, he's making the decisions. He took into consideration, of course, with what some of his maybe leaders on that football team and and maybe the experience of of being coached by Mario Cristobal. I think they made the right choice, but no, it, players aren't making these choices. They're not, you know, they're all these athletic directors and commissioners are up in arms over the thought process of them having to give them money. Do you think they're going to ask them? who their head coach should be, who they're going to pay $10 million to. No, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. We've never talked about that, and I think it's pretty prevalent, the state of California passing that law that in 2023 players will be able to start benefiting off their own likeness. What's your take on that? I think it's great. You know, it's, it's, it's been a long time coming. We had David Shaw on our show uh, last week, and I thought he articulated it better than anybody. He said, this has been coming down the line for 10 years. Um, it, it, it's going to happen. It's changed. People are fearful of change. That's why people are so up in arms about it. Um, but change is inevitable, and what needs to be in place is, a, is a, a governing body. And that's what the NCAA is. And with the NCAA, you know, coming out against it so harshly, they're not doing themselves any favors because then legislative uh, um, branch or legislative le- legislatures in every state are going to come up with their own bill and own plan. And then it's going to be just like, crazy conferences that play nine conference games that play two FCS opponents. It's just going to be all over the place. There needs to be one governing body that deals with this. And the NCAA is primed for it. They just have to come up with the plan. And they've been so forceful against the idea of players being able to profit off their own likeness and image that they're going to make it a mess unless they fix it themselves. So all that's happened with California doing this and then Florida coming with a bill themselves, they've just escalated it quickly uh, or more quickly. That's all. Uh, it, it, it was coming, and it's not going to be 
overwhelming change, right? This is going to be an opportunity for for young men to hire agents and, and, and get compensated for their likeness. You know, maybe they do a car commercial in the city that they're in, or, or maybe they um, go do an autograph signing or things like that. I, I don't think this is going to affect many of the players. It may be an opportunity for women's basketball team too, for a local restaurant to, to do things like that. I mean, it's just interesting things to weigh to, to compensate these players for, for them being, you know, what I would consider being taken advantage of when it comes to those things. I think the, the scholarship is good representation of compensation, but the likeness part of it was never written into it, right? You going playing football there was the trade-off, was the quid pro quo for the scholarship. Then all of a sudden it became a, a marketing boondoggle and uh, millions and billions of dollars are being generated and the individuals that were the ones and the reasons because of it were being left out in the cold. And that's just, this is the remedy for that. That's all it is. It's not turning it into professional sports. It's still going to be the college football platform and blueprint. That's always going to be there. This is just a great opportunity for the players to be compensated for what they do. Do you think that a market has to, would have any influence on, on where these players will want to go once this is instituted? Los Angeles obviously has a massive market, a lot of opportunity, a lot of money from various alumni bases, USC and UCLA specifically, would, would a player be more inclined to go to USC because they can go get $100,000 for, you know, keys on Van Nuys versus going up to uh, a smaller market, whether it be Berkeley or Pullman, where they're not going to get nearly as much for the same type of, uh, type of endorsement? I tell you right now, businessmen are not going to be paying an 18 to 22 year old, a hundred thousand dollars. They're not going to do it. They're, they're the reason why they're good businessmen is because they don't make, you know, bad investments right. like that. That's not that's not going to be happening. I will say this though, I will say that maybe an individual who uh, who's in a who's in a top top fifteen in recruiting class and he could go to Alabama and, and get a small piece of what the local community has to offer because everybody else is, or he could go to let's say Pullman, where he could get a larger cut of the pie maybe now washington state maybe now oregon state gets a top 25 um recruit you know maybe some of the smaller colleges and maybe it, in fact it actually evens out the recruiting a little bit more because not every single one of the you know top 300 are going to alabama and clemson but now one or two are, are going somewhere else because they can be compensated differently a little bit by the local community you know in particular if you come on a recruiting trip there and and your agent has has uh orchestrated not only a meeting with um you know you go there for your visit uh at washington state but he also set up some meetings with some local businessmen who have restaurants and things like that maybe that's what this kind of becomes now now you have now you have a situation where your your agent's working for you in a in a in a, in a way to to help facilitate moving you towards going to a, a maybe a smaller market school, which I think ultimately evens it out. Because right now, you know, we know the top eight teams in this country are, are getting all the talent. Uh, and because you're only allowed to offer 25 scholarships, regardless of what, what kind of rules change, you know, you're not allowed to now offer because you have people paying people for their likeness, not allowed for them to, uh, offer like 40 or 50 scholarships now you still only have 25 so 
I think it, I think it might do a, a, an actual better job of evening the playing field, to be honest with you. We'll see how this all plays out. I know Ohio also has a bill uh, in the works. California, by the way, passed it unanimously. Every senator on both sides, uh, no matter what political party they identified, agreed that this was a change that needed to be made. Ryan and I agree, um, but we'll see at what point the NCAA agrees as well. All right, two more games on the Week 7 docket. Utah at Arizona State. I don't see any reason for Utah to lose this game. Um, and I, I, I think Utah will probably win by – I know the two touchdown favorites, I think they'll win by at least that. What are your thoughts on that? Crazy things happen in Corvallis. They always have. I don't know if you remember Mark Sanchez and the USC Trojans going up there. Uh, it, crazy things happen in Corvallis. They just do. So my only thought process for Kyle Whittingham and this team right now is just get up there and get a win. I don't care if we win 10-7. to 7, Just get a win and get home. That's, that would be my, my thought process during this. Do the things that you need to do, regardless of what happens a week from now, two weeks from now, whatever. It's about Corvallis. It's about Oregon State. And they can put up some points. Jonathan Smith can have a plan ready to go. I think it's going to be a fun, entertaining game. Uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend for me because um, I, called the, uh, I called the Appalachian State-Louisiana game uh, last night, and now I'll be home for the whole weekend to uh, really experience college football for the first time in a long time for me. So the last game that you'll be watching then will be the Pac-12 After Dark game at 8 o'clock. Not a 7.30 kickoff, an 8 o'clock kickoff. Last episode, you had Arizona one spot ahead of Washington in your Pac-12 power rankings. Well, now is are both of these teams opportunities to prove where they deserve to be in Ryan's Pac-12 power rankings. Washington at Arizona, 8 p.m., this, I think, has the potential, and I know what we saw from Washington in the loss of Stanford last week. I know what we've seen from Arizona beating Colorado last week. This has all the potential for perhaps being the most exciting game of the day. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, don't, have, I don't have any confidence at all in Washington going down to the desert late night like this and winning this football game. I, I have I have zero confidence to be honest with you. Maybe they maybe they bounce back under Chris Peterson and, and, and fight their tails off. But I, I don't think they I don't think they win this football game. The fact that they're almost a touchdown favorite, it, it blows my mind. And it should piss off Kevin Sumlin, Khalil Tate and the rest of that Arizona football team. JJ Taylor most likely going to be back. They'll be firing on all cylinders when it comes to their offense. This is, uh, this is a good opportunity for Arizona to make a statement uh, to all the other teams in the South. And it's also, for me, an opportunity for Washington to say, okay, you know, we're going to get back into the race on top here, or we're just, you know, we're, we're folding shop. And Jacob Eason's just going to kind of just show off his rocket arm and, and, and his pretty physique and, and head to the draft uh, come April. So I, I, don't have any, I don't have any reason right now to believe that they – that they go down to Arizona and win this football game. I think Arizona beats them and does something similar to what, what Stanford did a week ago. Jacob Eason, the last time Washington lost this season, the Cal came back with a vengeance the following week against BYU um, and had a phenomenal game. We'll see if he can bounce back uh, against Arizona. Cleo Tate, though, he's going to come to play him with the way that Stanford was able to run all over Washington last week. You know, Arizona will probably have a similar game plan. Ryan, week seven coming up, five games on the docket. What are your final thoughts coming up? 
I'm just excited I'm going to be able to watch them all. Uh, it's been it's been hard uh, traveling and and getting a chance to watch them the day after and, and stuff like that. If you know the outcome already, but um, I'm excited to you know kind of mind meld into the the college football um, weekend and the Pac-12 has got some some stellar games this weekend. Uh, I think that's going to tell us a lot uh, and continue through this whole process. Yeah, we're excited that you get an opportunity now to be a fan as well, and I look forward to hearing uh, how it felt finally after six weeks of being on the road to being able to watch and enjoy some Pac-12 football from the comfort of your own home. Week 7 coming up, and it is going to be a really fascinating one. Five games on the docket, all with a series of implications, whether it be uh, bragging rights for USC and just a national perspective change for the Pac-12 as a whole, whether it be Arizona getting out of uh, week seven at two, three and zero in the Pac-12 and up above the South. A lot of really interesting storylines to follow. But for now, I guess it's time to sign off. This has been Believe in the Pac-12 for Ryan Leaf. My name is Jonathan Rifkin. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back on Tuesday and Thursday to recap Week Seven and to get you set for Week Eight. Until then, though, please enjoy Week Seven, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.